1: Or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction.
0: And
2: now, we go into the thick of it.
1: Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
2: Erin Addisons.
1: On American Family Radio, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and uh, we appreciate her. We're going to try to get to some calls in the last segment of the show, but... Mm -hmm. You guys know us by now, so and you're patient with us, right? It's okay, because whatever we don't get to today, we'll just rack it up for Friday, right? And it'll just <laughs> be like, you know, fire away kind of a thing. Um, but today, we're doing part one of a four-part conversation that we want to have, and um, we'd like you to uh, not only listen in, but, but engage us as well. So I really do hope that if, if we've timed everything right, um, we can get around to calls, but again, Mm -hmm. this is what you got right here I mean this is what it is okay Um, so we'll see this is part one of what will Mm -hmm. be four parts so by the time we get to Thursday hopefully we will have wrapped up um, what we want to do and today we're just kind of laying a foundation for where we want to go and the topic over the next four shows will be Sola Scriptura
0: Mm -hmm.
1: now having said that so this is (laughs) okay here we go so this is uh, this is Sola Scriptura part one right part one of four Uh, Before we get into this, and I think our listeners right now know us well enough to know why we would be having this as a series of topics, right? Um, Because of what is happening right now in our culture and what is happening in the church and how there has been such a extreme departure from Scripture Mm. that we are kind of ripe for destructive heresies Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. for man-made philosophies and almost feel a sense of desperation for those philosophies and so why do we feel that way we feel that way because we have made less of the word of God when the word of God is diminished then there is always this this present opportunity for something else to come in and fill that void right? right now Having said that, we feel it's important that we give you some disclaimers. And again, you guys can always email us. There are going to be people who have questions that are going to be outside of the scope of what we intend to talk about today. And as best we can, we're going to stay on topic because we think it's important, right? I mean, the the more and more that we drill down on this, we feel like it's really important. Um, But we think it's important to give some disclaimers. So let me give some disclaimers as we get started. And then, Will the Great, will jump in and and we'll just kind of keep it rolling here, okay? Mm -hmm. So this is part one of a four-part discussion that we're going to have on Sola Scriptura. And it's important for us to mention to people that, one, we are not Calvinist. All right. (laughs) Two, we are not what would be, I think, defined as like organized, reformed adherents. Right. Which that is a denomination. Okay, That that is a group of believers who have set themselves apart. Adhering to a certain doctrine and certain tenets, okay that kind of distinguish them as what we commonly call reformed
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay I have a problem with that because i am mem- I am a member, will and I are members of what would be described as the reformation, okay right. so so <laughs> exactly. we are reformed, yes and yet we're not reformed okay right. so right. so I want. That's important because when, whenever there becomes this moment where <laughs> uh, people kind of take over terms, we think those terms automatically mean what the majority has defined them to mean, okay? Mm-hmm. So when you say that you are reformed, mm-hmm. classically people are thinking, well, I, I would say, I don't know if classically is the right word, but typically people are thinking that you're talking about a particular denomination. People do not go back to Martin Luther. Mm. Okay, when, 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 we've, <laughs> right. when people say that we're reformed, they don't think 95 theses, okay? Right. They don't think Wittenberg wall, like they don't think that, okay? Um, but that's what I want you to think today. When we say that we are reformed and yet not reformed, okay, mm-hmm. this is what we're talking about. And and I think that's important as we go along because there are some people who will hear Sola Scriptura and think then that we believe a certain set of beliefs. right. That's not, in fact, the case, right. and I and I am unapologetic about that because I hold to the authority of Scripture. So there are certain things that are tenets of what is called organized reformation. Uh, I don't know how you say it, or Calvinism, mm-hmm. that I do not see in Scripture. Mm-hmm. So I reject those things, and yet again. <laughs> For anybody who's not at this point thoroughly confused, I am reformed. Okay, <laughs> I am reformed. Okay, so so here we go. So what do we mean? What do we mean when we say sola scriptura? And and then again to just kind of drive it home, when we're talking about being reformed, we are talking about among other things celebrating and defending the return of the scriptures front and center to the gathering of the believers. Right. In a nutshell. This is what we're talking about when we talk about the Reformation. We're talking about returning to the authority of scriptures, mm-hmm. of the scriptures, right? Getting back to the basics of what the word taught and what was sufficient for believers before the visible church started to remove the access of the scriptures to, you know, the peons. OK, yeah. <laughs> all right. So and and I do a whole like church history talk on this. And it's it's too much to go into now, but you'll just have to you'll just have to go read a book and then see (laughs) how this all happened. Okay. All right. So when we talk about sola scriptura, what we mean is that the word of God is totally sufficient. We believe that we live for the glory of God. In fact, we know who God is. We know what salvation is by scripture alone. Amen. And we live for the glory of God as is laid out for us by scripture alone. Amen. Okay. And we believe that the word of God is sufficient. It has been sufficient. We're going to make the case for that. And, and then ultimately over the next few shows, talk about some of the current cultural issues that we're having. And hopefully I hope that we will prove to you that the scriptures are sufficient, that there are things that are questions that are being asked today that we can answer those questions without bypassing the scriptures. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We can answer those questions. So we assert that the scriptures can and should be read by every believer, not just a select few. Amen. Every believer should be reading the word of God. Okay. We believe that every believer is personally responsible for its contents. That's right. Now, if you are a teacher, you have a greater responsibility, James chapter three, verse one teaches us, mm. right? But every believer has a basic responsibility to know what God requires of him or her. Amen. Each and every one of us. So it's not enough to just have the scriptures read to you once a week. It's not enough for you to see the scriptures up on PowerPoint once a week. You have to have a personal interaction, interaction with the scriptures. I would say daily, right? but at least more than once a week. <laughs> okay, <laughs> if it's not if it's not daily at least more than once a week. All right. So, so having laid that out and I know that there is going to be more questions that people would have, you know. Um but our question this week is can we sufficiently engage the culture by use of the scriptures alone? Is that enough for us to sufficiently engage a culture that is in rebellion against God? By only going to the scriptures, can we be fortified and protected from the culture by only going to the scriptures? Like if we just say, well, man, does the word of God have anything to say about that? That is our question. Now, will and I assert? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. In fact, and, and I, because we've talked about this. So that's why I'm saying we so much, because you know, we've kind of come to an agreement on this, right? That, um, we have not encountered any situation in life where we said mm, nope it's not in the bible
2: right it's there i
1: can i can't think of one like nope, and i'm me neither. you go ahead we can take a second oh. put on a little tiktok and then just see <laughs> you know is there a little timer i can't think of one situation either in mothering right and for, for parenting for training our children for for work <laughs> all right for church <laughs> for for engaging with with members of the body of Christ, those who are not members of the body of Christ. Like, I can't think of one situation where we have been, you know, there Mm -hmm. and gone, oh man, I wish somebody would write a book on this. Mm -hmm. Like, no, if, you know, the Bible's got it, right? And that's where I think every believer needs to be. Every believer needs to see the sufficiency of scripture. In fact, we are in the moment that we're in right now. We're in the moment that we're in right now Because of small jogs away from the scriptures. Now, Will and I would argue there are no small jogs away from the (laughs) scriptures. But there are some people who would say, ah, you know, that's I don't know. I'll take that. I'll leave that. Right. So it has been the buffet of the scriptures. Or let me say this. say it this way. The buffet of the application of the scriptures that has gotten us to this point where you can get the green beans. Mm. Or, or you can get the potatoes. You know what I mean. However you don't you have like, to. Whatever you, know, you want. However, however you like. Whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. Okay. That is what has gotten us into trouble. Now, let me say this: when we say sola scriptura, because I think this is important too, because I know that people have questions about how far do you go with sola scriptura. So, we mean that the Bible is sufficient as our supreme authority on all spiritual matters. Amen. Right. By this assertion, when we say this, we mean that the scriptures are the truth that we need. Now listen, not only for salvation, but for a life lived for the glory of God. Mm. Now that encompasses a lot. For a life lived for the glory of God. Is our living for the glory of God at stake in our culture right now? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Genuine, authentic Christianity is on the chopping block no pun intended, chop. It's on the chopping block (laughs) in the United States of America, right? And why? Because we have made incrementally, um, you know, sporadically, I don't know, however you want to say it, but we have made small moves away from scripture. Mm. We've said, I'll give you this because I want to keep this. Okay, I'll let you have that because I want to do this, right? And And,
2: and there have been things that we've seen as hard in scripture so we've bent on said, say ah maybe Come it didn't on. really mean that yeah. you know yeah. so we can, we can give a little bit on this when it says it's been saying what it says what it means you know
1: <laughs> like the, i feel like the bible is saying i said what i said right <laughs> the bible the bible is saying i said what i said right and, and 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 we're like oh but it could but you didn't know this and you didn't know that which is really ridiculous because it shows whenever people say but the bible didn't anticipate this i'm going then you don't know how we got the bible <laughs> and
2: who wrote it holy the, spirit the holy spirit I mean, of god so he didn't anticipate he didn't
1: anti- he 2020? didn't know 21st century america he didn't know.
2: <laughs>
1: so but again, and, and, I, and we say this jokingly, but guys, it's true. A lot of people do not understand the authority of the scriptures, hmm. do not understand how the scriptures have gotten to us and why. And so when we don't understand that, we're just like, well, you know, these are nice, encouraging statements. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's a nice sentiment. The Bible is not a collection of Hallmark cards. That's not what it is. That's not. That's not what we're doing. The Bible is not the place where you go for warm and fuzzies, right? right? Or to use it as a battle axe against people you don't like. That's not what the Bible is like. <laughs> that's not what the Bible is. So here, so here we go. When we say Solar scriptura, we recognize this, and I think this is important too. I'm not going to the Bible to learn quantum physics. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to the Bible to learn mechanics. I'm not going to the Bible to learn um, world languages. I'm not going to the Bible to learn how to paint. When we say that the Bible is totally sufficient, we are speaking very specifically, and this is what we're saying very specifically, that everywhere the Bible speaks, when the Bible asserts itself, it is finally authoritative. Mm -hmm. When the Bible speaks, the Bible essentially says... I said what I said. I said what I said. There's no knowledge that is higher than that. There's no knowledge (laughs) that is greater than that. So if the Bible were to unpack quantum physics, then I would take that class.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You understand what?
1: I wouldn't go to somebody else. But the Bible doesn't cover that. So what we're talking about is, and I don't want to get too far ahead of the discussion, but what we're talking about basically is having everything that we need Mm -hmm. that pertains to life and godliness. Amen. Every single thing. We're not left here trying to figure out where do we go and who should we seek out to get the answers to these questions we don't need any modern philosophies the bible is totally sufficient that Amen. is what we mean when we say sola scriptura all right aaron the addison's american family radio we'll be right back
0: are the clouds above you bursting with showers of despair do you struggle under
1: more than you can carry has life given more than you can all right welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio I'm Nikki and,
2: and I'm Will and that's Nicole C. Mullen come unto me
1: Man, so so Will and I were just talking during the break here and and the com the question came up that I think actually is gonna take us way far off like our topic. So we'll have to bring um, but it I can up. understand I can understand <laughs> that some people would have that question. I think I think we may touch on it though. We'll we'll just have to see. Um, because there's a question about the work of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? And in uh conjunction with the holy with, with the holy word of God. And mm-hmm. we have to understand that the scriptures are breathed out by God, right? That the Holy Spirit is the author of of the scriptures, So when we say that, we know that the Holy spirit will not lead us, will not guide us, will not tell us anything that contradicts the word of God. Mm. So then God told me, quote unquote, is not the Trump card.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: that, that is not, that is not. And, and, and that's why, you know, I always, well, I, so when I disciple women, I always caution against like, you know, when I, <laughs> so say for example, <laughs> Oh, man. All right. So say, for example, I'm sitting down face to face over coffee and I'm talking to a sister in the Lord and she says, well, I feel like God told me this is what I'm supposed to do. My question automatically is, are you sure you want to go with that?
0: <laughs>
1: you sure you want to go with that right now? Like, I, I I, feel like that really needs to be like the last resort in any conversation when you're talking to someone, whether you're challenged or encouraged. I feel like we need to be very sparing with that, like mm. because y- you understand, um, you know. <laughs> OK, so so let, let me just put can we put that over in one one yeah, nutshell yeah. over in the corner for a yes. second, just for a second and get back to talking about the Bible being totally sufficient. Yes. And then we can also talk about how the Holy Spirit will not contradict his word. Amen. All right. Like the word of God is not going to go against the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is not going to go against the word of God. So whenever someone is saying that God told them to do something and it cannot be substantiated with the scriptures, like <laughs> um, you are the liar. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am sorry. All right? For example, I know, I know that there was Never mind. I I I can't. Will the great. Why do this? Okay. Here <laughs> I we said go. we
2: didn't have to bring <laughs> You did <laughs> say that. <laughs> you you but went you, right just ahead. just you bringing it. Just you bringing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we're crystal clear on what it is that we're talking about. All right. Um because clarity matters to me. Yes. All right. So, what I'm saying, you know, When we go to the scriptures, what we should expect is that everywhere the Bible speaks, the Bible is the highest authority. That's what I'm saying. Everywhere that the Bible speaks, the Bible is the highest authority. It's the full revelation of who God is, uh, what he requires, and how we must live then in light of what he has revealed to us. right? And I think maybe in in many different places, but and of course we're going to use a lot of scripture because how do you say Sola Scriptura without Sola Scriptorian? (laughs) <laughs> or t- 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 I don't know. How do you make that an active verb like happening right now? We got to do it. We got to go to the scriptures. Right. So the apostle Peter does something um, pretty amazing in his his second letter
0: mm-hmm.
1: where he basically says that Jesus has already revealed to him that he's about to die. That's mm-hmm. that's how Peter starts his second letter. Right. Which is very sobering. Peter's like, um, well, let me just read it. So this is this is in Second Peter, chapter one, verse 13. And the Apostle Peter writes this. He says, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon mm-hmm. as the Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Now, I, as we read through this, what you will hear is that the Apostle Peter is well aware that as he is writing, he is being carried along by the Spirit of God
0: mm.
1: <laughs> so this this whole question about oh, these men just writing letters and then we canonized them and then we gave them authority. no, we didn't right the Holy Spirit instructed these men and they wrote in accordance with those instructions and 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 the scriptures seemed to point to them having full knowledge that they were writing scripture. Mm. That they were writing scripture, not just writing nice letters, guys. So this weights the word of God in a way that somebody's nice love letter is not weighted. Hmm. Okay, I mean, however eloquent you write, it's not scripture. The scripture is weighted and the scriptures weight themselves with revelation of who God is. Right. So if you continue on in Second Peter, and this is so important, guys, because our kids are going to have questions. Look, parents have questions right now. Do I need to have a separate talk with my kid about race and racism? That's one of the questions. Do I need to have a separate talk with my kids? What books do I need to read to help me discuss human sexuality and sexual identity with my kids? Now, there may be additional books that become supplements, but please understand that everything that you need to know to instruct your children to live in a world that is in just rebellion against God. It's in the word of God. This is the word of God. It's not a book that contains the word of the words of God. That's right. This is the word of God. So Second Peter. I'm just going to pick up with uh, this is chapter one. I'm pick up with verse 16. Right. So Peter's already said, I'm about to die. Jesus has already revealed to me that I'm about to die. I mean, that's pretty sobering. Right. So Peter's saying, basically, I'm going to do my best to make sure that you have access to the truth that you need to live after I'm gone. And then he says, remember my credentials. And this is what he says. So here is Apostle Peter saying, I'm about to die. I'm going to make sure that you have everything that you need to be able to recall this truth. Right. And then he reminds them of who he is. So here's what he says. This is verse 16. (laughs) He says, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths Mm -hmm. in a modern construct. We might say we're not looking at 20th century philosophies.
2: Right.
1: We're not we're not looking at 19th century philosophies. But Peter says, We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this, guys. He says, But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased, quote, in quote. Peter says, We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. Now watch this verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Verse 20, knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy spirit. Mm -hmm. In other words, listen, I'm leaving you this information, but please understand that my credentials are heavy. All right. I was there on the mountain. Okay. (laughs) Like I know who Jesus is. Okay. And the Holy Spirit is carrying me along as I'm writing this to you. And remember, this is not from my imagination. This is not cleverly devised myths. No, no. In fact, no scripture has its origin in that. Else it wouldn't be scripture. Right. So when Peter is writing, he's not writing, hoping that something he says might stick to the wall after he departs. No, he is writing scripture. Amen. And he knows it. And in fact, Peter does the same thing when he refers to the Apostle Paul nearing the end of this letter, where he refers to the Apostle Paul and says that he writes things that are difficult to understand. He says the Apostle Paul writes things that are difficult to understand. And he says men twist those things to their own destruction like they do with the other scriptures. (laughs)
0: I'm
1: sorry, are you Are are you putting Paul's writings in the category of scripture? Yes. Why? Because Holy Spirit. Right. Because this is how we are to receive it. And if we don't weight the word of God with the weight that it deserves, then we will never see it as enough.
0: Hmm.
1: And right now, what we're fighting for is we're fighting to get out of this vacuum that has been created because of a departure from scripture. So now we don't know how to train our children. So now we don't know how to teach our children. And so now Christians who have more melanin content are wondering: do I need to have a conversation with my sons who have more melanin content about law enforcement? No, you don't. No, you don't. I'm sorry. It's kind of a little <laughs> bit loud. I'm sorry. I just because, and, and not to get too far ahead of the several
0: mm-hmm.
1: topics that we're gonna look at, when you walk with your more melanated sons through like the Proverbs yeah, yeah. or through like Romans mm-hmm. and you teach them about authority, right? And you teach them about their answers and how their answers can determine the outcomes of situations. This is biblical. I don't even have to use modern examples. I can go to the scriptures and if you teach your children mm-hmm. to apply these things to their lives, then the outcomes of their lives are drastically different from those who do not apply the scriptures. Be- Facts. Yeah,
2: because those lessons transcend even skin color like that just applies, you know, to, it applies to all, you know, when we read Amen. the Proverbs, we read Psalm chapter one, not sitting in the, the seat of the scornful, you know, the different, the different portions of the Bible that we can train up our children and uh, understanding how to relate to authority. And it is not based upon any skin color.
1: That's right. That's right. And, and that is where I hope we ultimately go in the body of Christ that we realize that the bible is so totally sufficient and i don't even know if you need to add so right because it's just <laughs> point blank the bible is sufficient right it's not it's not on a continuum of sufficiency where <laughs> we're like you know it, it's not increasingly sufficient it is sufficient period amen the words we are reading today are the words that for 2000 years they have been reading and understanding do you understand what i'm saying and when, of course, taking into account the Old Testament prior to that, the word of God is sufficient. And you look at the fulfillment of prophecy, and this is why we can't unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. Because this, and again, that goes, OK, I'm going to I'm going to turn the page. Because <laughs> the, and, and so and, and, and let me just say, in case people didn't hear that show, we call that out. Yeah, we call that yeah. out an encouragement to unhitch yourself from the Old Testament? From the Word of God? Mm-mm. In fact, look, I think it's so important for us to understand that when we are reading the Word of God and when we are applying the Word of God, we get it fully. We understand it unequivocally that the Word of God is breathed out by God, yeah. right? That this is not something that we just decided, again, um, makes us feel good, right? I, I tell parents this, I tell moms this in particular. I think it's so important that when our children come to us and they ask us questions, even when we know. Now, of course, this is within reason. There are some questions that you know, as we talked about, like I'm, I'm just throwing this out here. Quantum physics, okay, right? <laughs> so, I mean, right? There are textbooks for that, right? Okay. But questions that deal with matters of holiness, righteousness, how do we live for the glory of God? What does God want us to do? When our kids come to us and they ask us questions about engaging the culture today, let us not be guilty of just immediately kind of spouting off what we think is a good response for them. What we should always endeavor to do is say, well, let's see what the Bible said. that." You can already feel how tedious that is. Say and that it again. is tedious. Let's see what
2: the Bible says about Let's this. Let's see what the basically.
1: Bible says about that. Yeah. And I know that even as I said that, like people feel like, oh, that feels tedious. It is tedious. It is. But this is, it is, be-
2: we are, this is what we're supposed to do as believers. You know, this, That's is, right. this is the book that we default to or that we say, hey, when there's a situation, a circumstance that come up. You know, our first nature should be to say, man, what does the Bible have to say about this? How do I navigate this uh, through the Word of God? And I th- maybe we have to train ourselves, you know, to mm-hmm. think that way, but that should be our response, especially in the days that we're living in right now.
1: We have no choice, Will the Great. We have no choice. And we're doing two things when we do this. One, we are teaching our kids the Word of God. Amen. But two, we are teaching them that the word is their final authority, not us. Yes. So that means that the word will be with them in places that I cannot be.
2: That's right. The word
1: of God and the spirit of God will guide them through situations that I am unaware that they're even happening. That's right. But if I have built my kids navigation of culture and life around, what does mom and dad say? Like, well, then now all of a sudden they're in a situation where they're like, I don't know. I don't know how to live. What we want to do from the youngest age possible is we want to teach our children to rely on the word of God. It became a running joke early on as we were training our kids in in the scriptures early on, in particular, became a running joke with JD because he would say, everything is in the Bible. Whether it's a proverb (laughs) or whether it's a psalm. He would say everything is in the Bible. And how do we get to that point? When we talk about things, we have conversations. We're sitting around our table. Parents are supposed to be saying, you know, the Bible says something about what you just did. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bible says something. The Bible has an opinion (laughs) on what you're asking. The Bible says something about that.
2: And you know what that does too. When when they see that, when our children see that. It gives them such an esteem for the word of God because they see like, man, whenever there is something that comes up and my parents are steering me to let's go to the word of God. It builds within them an esteem for the word of God that this is, like you saying, the final authority and everything that uh, we need in our life is contained in the Bible.
1: Amen. Amen. Your child will one day be outside of your presence somewhere. Exactly. I don't want... Our children, we don't want our children wondering, hmm, what would my mom and dad do in this situation? We want them to be able to go to the word of God and make right decisions that are consistent with their profession of faith. Are you saved? Does the Holy Spirit indwell you? Mm. Then he can lead you. Amen. You should follow him. He can lead you. That's right. All right. Aaron, the Addison's American Family Radio will break and we'll be right back. Addison's um I'm Miki
2: and I'm Will and that's William McDowell with Holding Nothing
1: all right uh if I can just have a few more minutes to try to um I guess land today's show and then we'll open the phone lines here to get your response to this and uh what I also want to do is run through a list of some of the things that we intend to to look at and in light of the the word of God being totally sufficient. Um, The Apostle Paul in his second letter to Timothy, in fact, his last letter, the last letter that he would write um, before he would lose his life, uh, he reminds Timothy that um, that the scriptures are breathed out by God. But when you get a picture of the context of that, because we're talking about the scriptures being totally sufficient, right? Mm -hmm. The scriptures being totally sufficient. Paul tells Timothy, he, he writes to Timothy and this is uh second Timothy chapter three. We're familiar with this passage, but I'm going to go a little bit before verse 16, because I think it's something important for us to see before we get to verse 16, which people understand all scriptures breathed out by God. A lot of people know that we've, we've heard it. We've kind of been acquainted with that, you know, but in, in context here, the apostle Paul tells Timothy this in verse 12, indeed, all. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All right. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood. You have been acquainted with the sacred writings, Mm. which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Hold on a second. Mm. So when the rubber meets the road, it's going to be really hard for you to live, because if you desire to live godly, you're going to be persecuted. But here is how you're going to contend recalling the scriptures that you've known from childhood. Oh, man. Not modern philosophies, not (laughs) current. Come on. He's saying he's saying you're going to call to mind the scriptures that you have been taught from childhood. Mm. And then in in case you have a question about what the sacred writings are, if you have a question about (laughs) what the sacred writings are, continue reading. Verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof for correction and for training and righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work.
2: You know, this this description should be a call out to all us parents. Yes. Uh, You know, yes. To train our children according to the word of God from childhood. They don't start, you know, even I would say it it wouldn't even start even at a youth group or, you know, it it starts at home around the table. That's a call out right there. Yes. If, Amen. We, want, if we want our children to uh, succeed, you know, we have to embed the scriptures.
1: I th- I think I, this is my personal conviction here. Okay. Um, I think youth group is too late.
2: Yeah. I, agree. I think
1: youth group is too late. Already I, I think when you're already gone. Right. <laughs> so you need to be forming and shaping your kid according to the word of God as early as possible. listen, what we understand is that we have a commonality around the scriptures. We are followers of the way. Amen. All right. And so it means that we not only live by the scriptures, but it means that we carry the scriptures with us out into our daily life. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not just at home. I'm reading then I get up and I go do me. Mm -hmm. It's no, I'm carrying this with me. I'm taking this out into the world so that I live for the glory of God. And it's amazing because when you look at it, there's so many parallels, man. And and I, you know, the Lord, man, the Lord in his infinite wisdom, the things that he has revealed to us, right? These mysteries that were hidden, but now he's revealed these things to us in Jesus Christ. If we read the scriptures and really take these things to heart, we can see that God has been showing us something for a long time. There's it, it's not just like um implements of worship that are shadows and types. Mm-hmm. All right. It's not just like, you know, the, the, the inner sanctuary that becomes shadows and types, but it's even down to the fact that God made a specific group of people and set them apart, making them move in and out of cultures with a unique way to function. That's a shadow and type Yo all <laughs> And so today <laughs> we are the fulfillment of the promise that God has made, right? That through this one man all nations of the earth will be blessed but before that, you have a shadow and type of peculiar people set apart, moving in and out of cultures, doing things different, <laughs> living different, having all of these prescribed set of ways. Why? So that when we meet Jesus Christ, we understand that we are now in a new family where as we move in and out of cultures, we are doing things differently. What was God's rebuke, his constant chastisement for his people You've taken on the ways of the people around you. Mm. You've taken on the ways of the people around. You're acting just like them. And even today in 21st century America, so many Christians, we've taken on the ways of the world around us. We are acting just like them. They're angry. We're angry. They can't stand one another. We can't stand one another. What is the purpose of the distinction? To show what God is able to do. If you look at Amen. Peter, he says very explicitly. First, Peter, chapter two, verses nine and 10, he says, but you are a chosen race,
0: mm-hmm.
1: a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Hello, Abraham. hey hey we remember you once you were not a people but now you're God's people Mm. and what made you different God's choice he Mm -hmm. chose he just chose told you come here you know come (laughs) out of Ur. okay (laughs) and and I'm gonna set you apart right and Abraham responds before he has the covenant of circumcision Mm -hmm. he has his faithful response the apostle Paul unpacks this beautifully in Romans read Romans 4 5 and 6 it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But what does God do? He sets apart for himself people and he shows that these people are totally different from everybody else around them. It's a shadow and it's a type guys. It represents the same priesthood, this different nation, this different group of people that we're in. The problem is we keep trying to be like those people around us. Come on. We keep trying to act just like them. Now I want to say this, and I, you know, I was thinking well, I don't know. Did I did I finish reading the scriptures? Verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mm-hmm. And I know that at this point there are people who are like, okay, so how does the Holy Spirit come into play here? You know, as we talk about the Word of God being our final authority as we are living life. Look, there are some things, for example, and man, I got way more than than what we have minutes for but let me just say this so with our children as we began to train them in the word right and this is according to their capacity as their capacity increases then we increase all right the the bigger their containers the more we pour in all right they're little containers so a little goes in but the big they as they grow i know your containers growing i'm pouring more in (laughs) i'm gonna make you tell me you don't understand I'm not going to say, oh, you can't understand. Right. No, I'm, I'm going to you tell me you don't understand. So we taught our kids from a very early age, right? That the word of God is their authority, that the word of God has everything that you need to know how to live. Right. So you can you can call upon the word of God. You can rely on the word of God. You can fall. <laughs> excuse the expression. You can fall on the sword, <laughs> fall on the word of God. Right. The only thing that's going to die is your flesh. hello fall on your sword every every christian (laughs) fall on your sword your flesh will die right Mm. and i remember two years ago two years ago having this conversation with jd And J.D. is uniquely designed. All of our kids are uniquely designed, but you can see the way that your kids are bent. And this is a the bend is from the Lord. That's right. Okay, The bend is from the Lord. You can see this. You start to see the the interest that your kids have and the way they process information, the way they think about things. And so J.D. is very analytical. He thinks deeply about things. We we noticed this in him very early on and about two years ago, um, J.D. told me about an experience that he had as he was walking through our neighborhood. And he said, and and our there's kind of a bit of a hill. So he usually struggles when he's coming back up on the bike. <sighs> you know, you get back up the hill, right? Going down is fun, right? <laughs> and he said, as he was going down the hill, he had this question because we were talking about evangelism and how we share the truth with those around us because we want people to know Jesus Christ. We want people to become followers of the way because we believe that this is the only way to see God. Amen. All right. So he had this question in his mind. He didn't ask me. He was just thinking this question as he was going. He said, he said, mom, I was going down the hill. And he said, I was thinking, how will I know what to say to a non-believer when I come face to face with them? Mm-hmm. Like, how will I know what to say? Because we teach them apologetics. We teach them how to give a defense for the faith. And there's a lot of information. And so his, his, his question in his mind was, how will I know what to say? Like, what, what do I draw on and where do I start, right? He said, this is the question he was thinking. And then he said, and this was after he got in the house, he gave me the whole little rundown. But he said, as I was coming back up the hill... He said, I in my head, I felt like don't worry about that because God will give me the answers. God will tell me what I need to say. I said, J.D., the Lord was speaking to you. Now, this makes some people nervous. This is where I have to jump off. This is why I make the distinction here, because I believe that the gifts are still in operation. And I believe that the spirit of God who indwells us speaks to us. He leads us. He guides us. And I said, J.D., the Lord was speaking to you. And he says, how can I know that? He says, how do I know it wasn't just my thinking? And I said, because your thinking took you back to scriptures. Mm-hmm. And so what I have to remind, I say, Matthew 10, 19, Matthew 10, 19. So when you're brought before people and you have to give an account, you have to speak. Don't worry in that moment what you're going to say, That's because right. the Lord is going to give you what to say. So the Holy Spirit will lead. And will guide and will instruct our children. I'm going to tell you, I don't want my kids to grow up thinking that they're just on their own, mm. that they're just calling. They're just calling audible left and right. They're just doing it on there. I want my kids to grow up understanding that the Holy Spirit who indwells them is active in their life.
2: Amen. Amen. That
1: he reminds them of scripture. So it wasn't this booming James Earl Jones voice that JD heard, <laughs> but it was the voice of the Holy Spirit. Right. In terms that he would understand, reminding him that I've already thought about this for you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry now about what you're going to say. You'll be reminded about what you are to say. Amen. So the Holy Spirit is not going to contradict the word. So when we say Sola Scriptura, we're not talking about, oh, we just have no place for the Holy Spirit. I hope, that, again, we don't understand how we get our scriptures if we think that. There's really no space for that. hmm The Holy Spirit is not fighting against his word, nor is the word fighting against the Holy Spirit, unless you have some selfish ambition, some ulterior motive. And what I have found to be true is that we have we have a drought, you know, that kind of goes in two different extremes. Either we have the abuse of the gifts Mm -hmm. that are supposed to be operating among Christians. They're necessary. You see this all throughout the first century church without explanation. It's almost like they expected God to be active in their midst. So you either have abuses of the gifts or you have just the gifts being ignored completely. Both of them are wrong. That's right. If we want to be sola scriptura. I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> now look, I want to say this, I don't want to run out of time here. I'm not going to go to the Bible and I'm not going to find what do I do with the organization Black Lives Matter, right? It's not like a Google search like that. You understand what I'm saying? But when I research and when I look into the scriptures and then research certain organizations and I find those organizations to be antithetical to the gospel, incompatible with biblical Christianity, then I know that I can't reconcile them.
2: It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. It's as
1: simple as that. I'm not going to go. To the scriptures and see Will's name written in a passage that says, that's your husband. Right. Although I do believe I'm, I'm married to God's will for my life.
0: <laughs> you see what I did there? I do believe
1: that. But here is what I do know. I do know that the Bible teaches that we are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 2 mm-hmm. Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through chapter 7, verse 1. <laughs> Read it all, right? So I know that if someone wants to marry me, and he is not a believer i'm not even entertaining the thought
0: mm-hmm.
1: like that's not that's not even something that i have to go oh i don't know i just don't know so we train our children in that way so now for our daughters and look it's it, this is not a question of like you know <laughs> oh is he cute you know they're <laughs> going to go through their teenage phase right, right i right. mean and that's and that's fine we bear with them <laughs> but you know as as their parents we're here to say Cute, be- <laughs> cute better not ring this doorbell right <laughs> cute, cute better not knock on this door Cute only. <laughs> I mean you know what, what what are you gonna do with cute for right. the rest of your life right we also understand that in marriage that the husband is the head of the family Amen. so how are you gonna marry someone that you're gonna have to spend the rest of your life complaining that they're not leading mm. they're not the lead and and let me, look you saw that before you made your decision we were taught in ministry many years ago that after your decision to follow Christ, who you marry is the biggest decision you make in your life. <laughs> Dude, that's frightening. No wonder I got married so late in life. It was like, I don't know. I just, I just, ah. Maybe I have this gift that Paul had. Turns out I didn't. But I mean, you know, you just never know. Here's the ultimate point that we're making. There's a lot going on in, going on in culture. hmm And our culture wants you to believe that you need to come to them for the answers. We say no. That's right. We say the scriptures are totally sufficient. And we'll continue to unpack this the rest of the week. Until tomorrow, Lord willing.
2: God bless.